بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد وسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ is the 16th of September in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, last night I mentioned the various sacred verses where the blessed land of Palestine and the holy city of Jerusalem is mentioned. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious calls Palestine itself Ard al-Muqaddasa the Holy Land, Surah 5, verse 21. And the land is not just for the Bani Israel. Allah Ta'ala says, Fiha lil'alami. It is a blessing for all of the nations. In Surah 21, verse 71. So do we believe it was a promised land? That's biblical text. We believe it was a promised land to the Muslims. It's nothing to do with race, as some would make you believe. And of course, even logically, why would Allah Ta'ala favor a race over piety? So even from that perspective, it doesn't make any real sense. And then I mentioned obviously all the verses where the holy city is mentioned. So moving now on to the sacred hadith. So in Abu Dawood, Sayyidina Abu Umama radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa Prophethood descended upon me from three places. Makkah, Al-Madinah, and Asham. Once it is brought out from any of them, it shall never return to it. This is recorded in Abu Dawood. So what does this mean? So obviously Makkah, Al-Madinah, we know the Quran was revealed there. How is Sham? relevant here. So this indicates even though our beloved messenger spent only one night in Asham, revelation descended there. So it was an honor. Allah honored Sham, i.e. with the Quran being revealed there as well. In another wording to explain, the Prophet said, the Quran was revealed in three places. Makkah, Al-Madinah and Asham. This is in Tabarani Al-Bidayah. So what does Asham mean here? Because Asham now, the borders have changed. Asham, using the modern borders, includes Syria, Jordan, Palestine, and Lebanon. In the time of Rasulullah, it was under Roman authority. And it includes all of this geographical uh, location. So Sham is mentioned here. So which part of Sham was the Prophet referring to? So Hafiz ibn Kathir said in Al-Bidayah, Asham here means Bait al-Maqdis, Jerusalem. Asham here means Bait al-Maqdis, Jerusalem. I Palestine, Jerusalem. Why? That's where the Quran was revealed to Rasulullah. Our beloved Messenger, his love of Al-Aqsa, can be gauged from our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha statement when she said, the Prophet used to recite Surah Al-Isra and Surah Az-Zumar, Surah 39, every night. This is in Nasai, Tirmidhi number 2921, Hassan, Ahmad in his Musnad, Hakim in his Musnad, 2-234, Sahih, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir. So think about that. 
every night without fail, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would recite Surah Al-Isra, named after the Isra and Mihraj, that's Surah 17, and Surah Al-Zumar, Surah 39. So that shows his love, right? That every night he would recite this Surah sallallahu alayhi wa Note that the place of gathering on the Day of Judgment would be Jerusalem. Our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, how excellent a place of Salat it is, i.e. Masjid al-Aqsa. Indeed, it is the land of gathering and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Behaki, Hakim in his Mustadrak 4-509, Sahih. Zahabi, Sahih, Targheem, number 915. And Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullah, states Sahih. In As-Sahiha, number 2902. So two things the Prophet mentioned in this Sahih Hadith, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How excellent a place of Salat. So when you go to Masjid Al-Aqsa, the Prophet said, how excellent. You don't realize what, you're, you know, what honor has been given to you. Then he said, second point, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it, it is Jerusalem. It is the land of gathering, resurrection. So what does that mean? You will rise from your grave and you will, trans- you will go towards uh, Jerusalem. And that is the accounts will take place. You understand? That is where the accounts will actually take place. So if you're, for instance, our beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he will arise from Baki, uh, just outside Baki in Al-Madinah, but he will go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Makkah, Jerusalem, why? The Prophet said it, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it's the place of gathering and resurrection. So think about that. How many Muslims know that about Jerusalem? Mm-hmm. Why? Because we should not always blame the Bani Israel for our feelings. We're just not bothered learning. So if somebody says to you, why is Jerusalem such a special place in your heart? Makkah Medina is your, your cities. You say, well, how can we not love the land where we'll be gathered? So they look at you, what's this, what are you talking about? Gathering. Everybody will be gathered there. It clearly mentions in no other than Surah Zumar. Think about that. Why did the Prophet recite that every night as well? In Surah Zumar, Surah 39, verse 69, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the translation, And the earth will shine with the light of its Lord, and the record of deeds will be placed. The prophets, والسلام, and the witnesses will be brought forward, and a just decision pronounced between them. They will not be wronged in the least. Mm-hmm. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? The earth will shine, meaning it's the place of judgment. The earth is the place of judgment. The prophets and the witnesses will be brought forward. Where? Where are they going? Jerusalem. So think about that. What two surahs did the prophet recite every night? Surah Al-Isra, Surah Zumar. So a person goes, why did he recite Surah Zumar? Because that is the surah which mentions the place of gathering. You'll come forward. So maybe that was one reason why he recited that surah as well. So the Lord Abdullah ibn Abbas, he further clarified, in Tirmidhi and Ahmad, the Prophet lived in it. There is not a single inch in Al-Quds, Jerusalem, where a Prophet has not prayed or an angel stood. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. This is an authentic report in Tirmidhi and Ahmad. So what did the great Ibn Abbas say? Prophets lived there. And I think about that. <laughs> if one Prophet lived in a city, isn't that enough? Medina al-Manawwara, Rasulullah. You can't compare but one Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
And somebody goes, there's a city with two prophets. You think, subhanAllah. Jerusalem, prophets. I mentioned yesterday, 43 were martyred in Jerusalem in one morning. So where did 43 prophets come from? Why are they living there? Because that was the Qibla. That was the first Qibla. Then Ibn Abbas said something even more amazing. There is not a single inch, a very small space, in Quds. Quds literally means holy. Hadithi Qudsi, the holy hadith, because Allah is speaking. Why is Jerusalem called Quds? There you go. In the, it's called holy. Why is the holy land? Ard al Muqaddasa, right? The Quran says it's called Quds. That's the proper name for it. We say Jerusalem, we don't know what we're saying, you know, mashallah. But isn't it called Quds? Ibn Abbas said there is not an inch, think about that, in Jerusalem where a prophet has not prayed. So you're actually walking on a spot where a prophet has prayed or an angel stood. So it's not just Masjid al-Aqsa, the whole city is that blessed. So even though, you know, we were in the hotel outside of the old city, I was thinking about that. We're actually walking over a place where a prophet's prayed. Even when we went for something to eat, I thought about that. I thought, we're actually in a place where a prophet's prayed or an angel has stood. Now, why is that happening? Jerusalem is a holy city. Indeed, the mere walking to and back from the holy masjid of Al-Aqsa was something most dear to Rasulullah. And I think about that. We did that so many times. I forgot to mention this before. You're in your hotel and you walk towards Masjid Al-Aqsa. Nice, pleasant walks. They've kept all the relics. And you're walking backwards and forwards. That action was so beloved to the Prophet. How do we know? Is that allowed? In Ahmad in his Muslim, number 16,037, Al-Isaba. Sayyidina Zu Asabi Tanimi Salim, the freed servant of Abu Darda, he said, I asked Ya Rasulullah, if we are tested with living after you, what do you command us with? Rasulullah replied, adhere to Bayt al Maqdis. Perhaps your children will be raised there. Going back and forth to that masjid. So what did the sahaba ask? Dhu asabi tamimi salim. Mawla Abu Darda radiyallahu. He didn't want to live after the Prophet. But he goes, if we are tested after you, meaning we live after you, Ya Rasulullah. Please command us. What should I do? Now think about that. What did the Prophet tell him to do? He goes, stick to Bayt al-Maqdis. Then he said, Perhaps your children will be raised there, meaning they'll grow up there, going back and forth to that masjid. So what did the Prophet specifically love, even though he didn't have the, you know, ability to do it? Just to keep walking from your dwelling to the masjid. So think about that. That's such a mundane act normally. You know, normally you rush into the masjid, thinking, okay, let's get to the masjid. But the actual walking, the Prophet goes, you don't even realize. And then when you're walking, bike, mm. I'm going back to my hotel. Even that, the Prophet goes, is beloved to me. Mm. And also don't forget, when the Prophet uttered these words, it was under the control of the Romans. Mm. You know, we forget that. We think, oh yeah, mashallah. But imagine the Sahaba, look at the Yaqeen. They didn't say, Ya Rasulullah, this is the superpower. Mm. Romans, this under their authority, and the Persians, if anybody's going to take it, it's the Persians. Notice they just submitted. He goes, yes, definitely. 
So, you know, she'll reflect upon these statements, miraculous statements of the Prophet Indeed, Sayyidina Dhu Asabi Tamimi Salim, Mawla Abu Darda eventually settled in Jerusalem. Look at his love for the Prophet And indeed, his children grew up there. Because the Prophet told him to stay there. What about the Masjid itself, Masjid Al-Aqsa? Our beloved Messenger, he famously said, when Suleiman finished building Masjid Al-Aqsa, so when was this? The scholars say roughly a thousand years before Isa. So you're talking from our line, timeline, 3,000 years ago. So roughly. When Suleiman finished building Masjid Al-Aqsa, he made three du'as. And I've summarized. One was to have a kingdom like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala gave it to him. One was to have judgment like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala gave it to him. And the third was that whoever offers salat within the masjid should become as sinless as the day he was born. And Rasulullah said, Insha'Allah, I hope that dua was also answered. This is in Nasa'i, Ibn Majah, Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Hayban Sahih, Ibn Khuzayma Sahih, Tarheem number 914. So let's look at this. So first of all, what does it mean? Suleiman built Masjid Al-Aqsa, alayhi salatu wasalam. So this doesn't mean that he was the one who was the original constructor of Masjid Al-Aqsa. How could he be when he was the first Qibla? <laughs> you understand? So we look at it like the Kaaba. The Kaaba has been built over the ages, time and time again. Possibly Adam was the first to build it, alayhi salatu wasalam. Then of course, Ibrahim definitely, alayhi salatu wasalam. And who knows? You know, maybe some others. So it's the same with Aqsa. We said, look, Suleiman definitely rebuilt it. So maybe he was, you know, it's hardly feasible he would be the first. But his construction was magnificent. Because obviously he had control of the jinn and everything. So he built it completely, you know, it's covered. Then he made dua. Now what does that teach you? You made dua after doing a good deed. <laughs> you know, we just made dua. Imagine, what about What about it? No problem, you can make dua. But what did the prophets? They always do something first. Ibrahim and Ismail built the Kaaba, then they made dua. They didn't say, Rabbana taqabbal minna before they started. Right? So here, he made dua. Now, three duas. Now, imagine you ask a person, which of these three duas do you think Allah Ta'ala didn't, you know, possibly didn't answer? I would say, a kingdom like his. I don't think that's going to be answered. Guess what it was? Well, how did he get a kingdom? Because he had control over the animals, the wind, you know, to a lesser extent. Allah Ta'ala has complete control. Because that was answered from me. Have another guess. Well, it's got to be the second one. Judgment like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not going to happen. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Allah Ta'ala answered that. Mm-hmm. Suleiman alayhi salatu wa salam was famed for his judgments. There's a judgment mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Anbiya alayhi salatu wa salam, where Dawood judged about a particular land. And Suleiman gave another judgment. His father, do you allow me to make a judgment? He goes, yes. Allah Ta'ala said Suleiman was right, though both were blessed. So imagine he was the son, his judgment was more correct than his father's. Then there's a famous report, I'm sure you've heard this. The hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. And these, these two women came with the child. And they were saying, this is our, this is my son, this is my son. So Dawood he was considering you know, how to judge. 
So Suleiman said, Father, would you allow me to judge? He goes, go ahead. So he asked the women, this son, who's the mother? They both said, I'm the mother. So Suleiman thought about this and he signaled to one of the gods. And he asked him to give him his sword. So the women, one of the women asked, what are you intending to do? So Suleiman said, I will split the child in half. You'll have half each. <laughs> Only one woman out of the two said, no. He goes, give the child, give the child. <laughs> Suleiman said, you're the mother. <laughs> he goes, give the child to her. <laughs> so why did the Prophet mention that? He goes, his judgment was amazing. Think about it. The mother, even though look, she wanted to give her, don't want her son to die. Okay. Even though I'm the mother, I don't want him to get her. The other one thought, fantastic. <laughs> But she didn't realize that Suleiman judged out, outwitted her. So, so note, his judgment was amazing. Why? Not because, obviously he was a prophet, alhamdulillah, but because he prayed for that. But what was his third dua? He goes, oh my Lord, whoever prays in this masjid, now think about that. He didn't say, whoever comes to offer the fadl prayer, whoever comes to offer Jummah, if there was a Jummah at the time, whoever, he just said pray. So the scholars say, any prayer, Two rakats, you're sinless as the day your mother gave birth to you. Not because of you, because of the dua of Suleiman. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Mm-hmm. And the jinn helped him to, to build Masjid al-Aqsa. In fact, there's a very interesting part in the Quran, what does Allah, Allah mentioned in the Quran, that he actually passed away upon his completion. He goes, he was standing with his staff and the angel of death came. So Suleiman he makes a dua. He goes, Ya Allah, the jinn are mischievous. So please take my soul, but make it look apparent to them that I'm still alive. Meaning, so they will continue building, because they were constructing Masjid al-Aqsa. So he passed away. The report goes, he's passed away and he's still standing with his staff. So the man with his eyes open. And the jinn are still working. And if you actually go to Masjid al-Aqsa, you see these massive blocks. And I'm telling you straight, no human being couldn't put those blocks there. <laughs> you know, they kind of work it out, the fools, they go, well, I mean, well, how is so it's the jinn. And they're looking, so they're working, obviously, because they're, and they're thinking that he's, still, he's still watching us. They didn't realize he's passed away. Then the report, the Quran says, some woodworms started knowing his stuff. And then what happened was, when the stuff actually broke, he tumbled. <laughs> And when he tumbled, the, the people said, now we know the jinn haven't got knowledge of the ghib. <laughs> Look how wise he was. His judgment. You know, he made like, Allah, give me judgment like yours because he wanted the people to know they haven't got knowledge of the ghib. <laughs> and his death proved that because they should have stopped. The people goes, they haven't got knowledge of the ghib. They worked a year on for no reason. <laughs> so even upon his passing, look how touching. Now another thing from this. That shows he passed away in the precincts. And what did I mention about the prophets yesterday? They love to be buried where they love. They love to be buried where they love. They love to be buried where they love to be buried. You understand? So he wanted to be buried there. And what's very interesting, in the compound, the, the haram itself, there's actually a small chamber. And it's towards Imam Ghazali's, you know, mihrab. 
And he goes, this is where Suleiman al Salatu's grave is. And we actually, we actually see it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at Masjid al-Aqsa. And it makes sense because you, you can see it. And, that, and, you, and, you, and what's beautiful is, so his grave is there, al Then there's a wall. Directly on the other side, directly, is Obad ibn Isama's grave. That who I mentioned yesterday, you know, the Badri, he's buried there. So I thought, this further proves it, Suleiman Because why would the Sahaba line up with this? Right? You understand? And his grave, and I thought, SubhanAllah. So when you go to Masjid al-Aqsa, it's unbelievable. You know, when you're walking around, you're thinking. And the reason there's not many people there is because the Bani Israel are in charge. And they don't allow the locals to be there. It's like a, just a tourist side, some Muslims go there. It's good for us. But you actually do feel sad thinking, you know, these people, you know, they're doing zulam on them, you know, subhanAllah. So that's another virtue for you to go there. If that wasn't enough, Rasulullah added something, sallallahu alayhi wa Salah in this, my masjid, is superior by four salat in that masjid, Aqsa. And how excellent a place of salat it is, Ay Aqsa. This is in Behaki, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 4-509, Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih, Targheeb number 915, Shaykh Al-Bani stated Sahih in his As-Sahira, number 2902. So let's break it down, Sahih Hadith. My masjid, Masjid al-Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is superior to offer prayer there by four salats in Masjid al-Aqsa. So you have to offer four in Masjid al-Aqsa to equal one in Masjid al-Nabi. Is it okay? Well, look how beautiful. The Prophet then immediately said, How beautiful a place of prayer it is, Masjid al-Aqsa. Meaning, I've only said this, not to belittle it, just to tell you the reality, but it's a beautiful place. So let's, work, let's do a small calculation. With a simple calculation, we can work out the value of one salat. One. One salat in Masjid al-Nabi. What do we know? Sallallahu alayhi wa is greater than 25 to 27,000 salats offered individually mm-hmm. or greater than offering five further prayers individually for 14 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. So let's hang on, you have to explain this first. What? Mm-hmm. So one prayer in Masjid al-Nabi, how did I get that figure? Mm-hmm. 25 to 27,000. Anybody, can anybody wear that out? Where I got that figure from? Mm-hmm. What did the Prophet famously say about Salat in his masjid? It is 1,000 times greater than any other masjid, except Masjid Al-Han. So you go to any masjid, this masjid for instance, 25 times or 27. So what was the Prophet saying? 25 or 27 times about 1,000, that's my masjid. So one prayer there is like 25,000 Salats or 27,000 Salats offered individually is greater than the, not equal. Mm-hmm. Or it's like offering Salat for 14, 15 years mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to Aqsa. Those one Salat in Masjid Al-Aqsa is greater than approximately 6,500 Salats offered individually. Mm-hmm. Or greater than offering the five Fadat prayers individually for approximately three and a half years. 
So think about that. And that's leaving aside what I mentioned about the sins being forgiven. So it's an awesome place. What did the Prophet simply say? What an excellent place to play. And what did I mention when I was discussing Salat? Again, you know, we need to reinvent the wheel. Did Rasulullah lead all the Prophets in prayer? Yes. Are you aware of this? So on the night of Isra, he led them all in prayer. Where did he lead them all in prayer? Said Allah Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay. Masjid al-Aqsa. Did he lead them in prayer before he went on the Mihraj? Or after he came back from the Mihraj? Or is it important? Does it make any, any difference? After. after he came back he led them in prayer so where is the strongest proof for that because if he led them before he went up who did he meet when he went up some of the prophets and then he was being introduced to them so why didn't the prophet say to Jibreel oh, I just prayed with them what are you introducing me again for so it doesn't make any sense it means that he did not lead them before. He led them when he came back. So he goes, still, I don't get your point. It doesn't matter, does it? It does matter. Why? Because what did he come back with? Five fallen players. If he offered the prayer before he went up, it's not a fallen. He's come back. So Hafiz Ibn Katid said, Rahmatullah in Al-Bidayah, the first fard prayer on earth was offered in Masjid al-Aqsa with all the 124,000 prophets. What does that tell you about Salat? But which Masjid did Allah choose? Masjid al-Aqsa. Think about it. Look at the, you know, how much honor Allah has given to that holy land. That's why it's called it a holy land. Ard al-Muqaddas. The holy land. People say, why is it a holy land? <laughs> because some Jewish politician called it holy, right? Obviously, Allah is calling it holy. Why is he calling it holy? Now the hadith are giving you details. So note, you should strive at least once in your life. And don't forget anything could pick up. The scholars say, look, get there, do go there before something does happen. And the next minute you stop, some people actually go and they're not allowed to go because something kicks off. But you notice there's times that you can actually go only if you, even one day. There's one brother... He told his brother, his brother was doing a business, uh, to do with his business. He was 40 miles from Jerusalem, Tel Aviv. And the brother goes to his brother, you better get to Jerusalem. He goes, why? So his brother told him, he goes, you're 40 miles away from me, you're not going to it. And then he gave him, you know, encouragement. The brother went. And then when he saw him again, he goes, what did you think? And this is what he said. He goes, he said something to the nearest effect. He goes, that's not built by men. <laughs> he goes, there's something unearthly about that place. <laughs> right? And this brother, he's, he's not strong. He's weak. He was told by his brother to go. It's not like, you know, I studied it, I've looked at it. He was like, basically, twisted his arm to go there. And that's a person who's in no research, nothing. He comes back, makes a statement like that. <laughs> and what about the one who's actually, you know, learning and thinking, you know, I need to get there to get, you know, at least offer two lakats. <laughs> you know, subhanAllah. <laughs> So all I mentioned today was now some of the blessed ahadith with regards to the holy city of Jerusalem and of course Masjid al-Aqsa. And there's more which I'll mention probably tomorrow if Esther Allah is Are there any questions you want to ask?